You're listening to WXAN 103.9 FM, and we're very thankful to be joined in the studio today by Judge Steve Boss. Steve, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks, Will. So you are running for election to a post that you were appointed to. So just sort of set the scene for us. What is the uh, judicial circuit? And of course, the election is November the 8th. Correct. So uh, basically, we're in the first judicial circuit, which is the nine southernmost counties of southern Illinois. And uh, I was appointed to a position to fill uh, retired Judge Blyer's position. I was appointed. There was a panel, made recommendations, did the interviews of all the applicants, made recommendations to Justice Overstreet. And then Justice Overstreet made the selection out of the final four and uh, was unanimously approved by the Illinois Supreme Court. So with that, that was in February of 2021. That was done with the understanding that I would have to then run to retain the office at the next general election. So I'm running in November to keep the seat I was appointed to, which is a, a circuit-wide seat, and, um, and I'm unopposed at, at this time. So I won't have an opponent in November, and then if I'm, I get one vote, uh, then I'll be able to keep that position for six years, then be subject to a retention vote. So why is it important that you come out and speak to me or still communicate with voters, even though you are unopposed? Because many candidates would say, well, I go vote for myself, and that's, you know, the end of this campaign. Right. No, I think it's still important. There's a process to it that's always bigger than the the individual or the candidate. And just getting my name out there and, and where I'm from and who I am, I think is important to the process, even though I don't have anyone uh, against me on the ballot this year. So do you have a judicial philosophy? Yes, I I think my judicial philosophy um, would just be um, not letting your ego get in the way of doing your job well. Um, I don't know if that's a philosophy, but, you know, just making sure that everyone comes into the courtroom and leaves feeling as if they were respected and heard, regardless of the outcome. Obviously, I'm in a position on a lot of my dockets to have to weigh the facts and apply the law, and it's an adversarial system. And so, generally speaking, someone is going to leave uh, unhappy with the outcome and technically losing. And uh, But I, I've found over the years that if um, they feel like they got a fair shake, they were treated uh, with respect, um, they leave... They leave the courthouse, maybe not happy with the outcome, but respecting the process. And the types of cases that you are seeing, uh, talk to me about sort of the, the range of, of what you're dealing with in your, in your particular job. Sure. So my docket's, I'm, I'm in Jackson County, and I have the probate docket, the small claims docket, the foreclosures docket, um, I have the evictions docket, um, and I have the municipal docket, and a couple of other smaller dockets, but really high volume. A um, lot of self-represented litigants, so not a lot of attorneys outside of probate. So I'm really working with folks um, who are lay people when it comes to the intricacies of the law. And so a lot of exposure to a lot of folks um, with varying expectations and understandings of, of the law. Sure. I'll never forget whenever the past owner of this radio station sent me to Missouri one time to represent the station in small claims court. And of course, I did a lot of study and arrived early and got there. And um, 
this person who was renting from us, who hadn't paid their rent for months and months, uh, gave their side of their story, and then I got up and I had plenty to say, and then the judge asked me to come talk to him, and he asked me if I had a license to practice law in Missouri, and I said I did not. And um, he said, well, come back when you've got a lawyer. And I got back to the radio station, and Harold uh, melted down and said, when did this change, and all right. of these things. So. I can sympathize because I was one of those people once who (laughs) did not understand the intricacies of the law and that I needed an attorney. But um, it sounds like in in this case, um, many of these folks did not, and perhaps that's where Harold's confusion came from. But anyway, that aside, uh, do you enjoy the job? Absolutely. It's an absolute privilege. I love every single day. You know, I've always been drawn to jobs and positions where I get to use whatever skills I've been able to develop to, to serve and help people. And I think this is kind of a culmination of, of my professional career. I just, every day, and, and, and you have, attitude is everything. And when a, when a judge sets a good tone as far as, you know, not taking the work seriously, but not themselves too seriously it it affects everyone in the courtroom. And so when there's a positive attitude from the bench, um, everyone follows suit. And so that part of it just makes it an absolute joy. Um, it's it's the greatest privilege. And I've, I've, I've loved all my jobs, but this one, it's not lost on me um, how fortunate I am to be here and trying to make the most of it every day. And you talk about the culmination of your career leading up to this point. Um, talk about sort of where you've come from. I mean, I know your military background and some of the things you've done, but maybe some of the listeners don't. Sure. So uh, I was commissioned in the Marine Corps while I was an undergrad as a Marine officer, uh, finished my three years of law school, passed the bar exam, and then went on active duty for seven years. And so I was stationed, Marine Corps Air Station Yuma, uh, the Pentagon, uh, Iraq, just doing everything every possible job, uh, advising commanders, prosecuting cases, defending cases, law of armed conflict, you know, and leading Marines, most importantly. And um, yeah, it was the best seven years of my life as far as just really learning, not so, I mean, learning the law, of course, but there were so many different areas of the law. But at the end of the day, the focus being on developing your subordinates and setting the example for your Marines, uh, it was a fantastic place to learn how to lead. Well, um, this election, should you be successful, presuming that you will be, uh, you're going to serve how long of a term? So it's a six-year term, and then every six years, the judges are subject to a retention vote. So you do not have an opponent on the ballot, but you have to receive 60% of the vote to keep your job. Mm -hmm. And judicial races are funny because... You're not supposed to really talk about how you would rule on a case as you're campaigning. Absolutely. But it feels like that is slowly changing. I mean, I've seen judicial candidates make statements, say things, run ads uh, that I wouldn't have seen people necessarily make as clear statements as where they stand on various things. Um, Am I reading that, seeing that right? You absolutely are. And it's alarming. Um, you know, I think the sometimes I hear judicial candidates, I'm not sure if they're running for the state house or are they running for a judgeship. And that's um, to the detriment of our system. We have our own 
internal uh, ethics review boards that we try to keep judges in line because we have very clear ethics about what we can talk about on the campaign trail. I think we could do more to enforce it. Um, the concern I have is that we are conditioning voters. Um, you know, I run on being impartial. We have a partisan system, but as soon as I walk in the door and as soon as I get elected, um, I'm leaving my whatever party loyalties at the door. I could care less at that point because that's not my job. And um, I, I think the concern is, is we're conditioning voters to no longer value an impartial judiciary. And that should cause some concern because that's not how our system was designed to work. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I read an article this morning from the Financial Times talking about the polling concerning the Supreme Court. And I thought to myself, well, if we're going to start running polls about every judge in America, that's going to be very problematic. Right. Um, so in any case, Stephen Boss is joining us today in the studio. He's uh, running as a, a judicial candidate in nine southernmost counties of southern Illinois, be on the ballot unopposed November the 8th. Um, people want to find out more about your campaign, uh, about who you are. I know you've got a Facebook page, but beyond that, anything else? No, not really. Uh, I would encourage, you know, if anyone wants to reach out, I haven't put a lot on the Facebook page because um, there's not a lot that I'm doing because there's not an opponent and there's already so much bandwidth being used up by other candidates. Um, but, you know, I'll have something posted as far as my bio and where I've been. You know, the Marine Corps is something that's still an active part of, of my life. I'm still in the reserves. I'm a lieutenant colonel. I'm a um, naval justice school instructor as a reservist. Um, and what does that entail? Do you take so many weekends a year to go teach a class somewhere? or Sure. So it's not a drilling reserve uh, per se. Not It's not every week, one week in a month, we fill in and augment and support the active component. And so let's say someone's on leave, that's a full-time instructor at either San Diego or Newport, Rhode Island. Then I'll go and augment and teach, kind of fill that seat until they get there mm -hmm. or get back from vacation. So really an awesome opportunity to teach um, not only new attorneys in the Navy and in the Marine Corps, uh, but also new commanders, um, getting them up to speed on their ethical responsibilities and stuff. So a lot of fun, keeps me... Uh, having to fit in my uniform, which is good motivation, and, uh, but it's a great time. So I'm 41 years old. I'm uh, quickly becoming old and bitter and kind of calcified in my views uh, on a lot of things. Uh, I hate the designated hitter. I don't like mm -hmm. that you could run people over. You can no longer run people over at uh, home plate, the catcher. They're making the, the bases bigger. Uh, I hate instant replay. I just hate everything. Right. You know? And so, Steve, if you could, because you're sort of the eternal optimist, uh, give me a reason why I shouldn't just completely throw in the towel on Major League Baseball. Oh. Um, okay. So, well, cause it's still baseball. Like even bad baseball is better than no baseball. Okay. I mean, if you've ever tried to fill, I mean, that void when they're not playing on a Monday night, yeah. you know, what am I going to be checking for? Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a tough time because we, I don't think we have a commissioner that really enjoys the game as it is to begin with. Um, but it's, I mean, September baseball is so much fun. Yeah. You know, every at bat, um, has meaning and value and i hate the designated hitter as much as anybody but man it's been fun to watch albert uh with the reunion tour this year so well i'm thankful um, i've got you on record on that because i feel like if you and me could get together and really focus drop all this other professional stuff we're doing and right. focus on turning that around right we could get something done you know bob costas wrote a book called i think fair ball in the, like the 19 
late 90s mm-hmm. about how to fix baseball and still some of the best recommendations. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you think baseball is boring, no change is going to make you like it. I mean, if yeah, you don't appreciate right. it for what it is, just be comfortable watching something else and maybe... Major League Baseball should focus on the people that love the game for what it is already. Yeah. And so I try to sell it to people that just don't have the same interest. So. so I hear a lot of times judges will say, judicial candidates, that a judge's job is to be like an umpire, to turn back from the baseball reference to this uh, uh, campaign. Is that a fair analogy? It is sometimes. You know, um, I think that – I think it is a good comparison – in that a judge is doing their job when you don't really see the judge so much. Um, but that's that also requires everyone playing by the rules that are established, right? So, you know, um, if, you, if you were an umpire and all of a sudden the pitcher started rolling the ball to the hitter on the ground, right. you know, obviously the, the umpire would have to step in because there are rules that have to be followed. Um, but I think it's when... when, when Umpires are their best when you don't even know they're there. When sure. They don't draw any attention, and that, I think, is when judges are the best. But um, sometimes we're called to step in a lot more. Well, I think it's, I think it's a, a good comparison now is if, with the review, right? Right. So then going after the fact to review what happened, I mean, that's much more akin to what the judge does every day, making sure rules are followed, but then dealing with those objections after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is pretty similar, yeah. Well, I... Don't want to belabor the conversation, but I do want to ask one other question about the nuances of of the job, and that's that obviously there are laws and ordinances and whatever in place, and I'm familiar with these as mayor and my role overseeing those ordinances. Um, And then you have people who come before you because much of the judicial system is made up about fines and fees for certain things. And then you have a person before you who may obviously not have the financial means mm-hmm. to pay such fines and fees. Right. But the law demands for such things. Right. So uh, when you're dealing with a community like Murfreesboro or, or Carbondale, many of these folks with such a low median household income, um, is that a difficult thing to balance? It is. I mean, but it is kind of taken out of my hands in some respect because we have the minimum fine that's set by the ordinance. Uh, but those are considerations, you know, and so typically we'll have a judgment enter and then we'll set it for a pay or a peer, give them time. And I'm very, I try to strike a balance of you, because usually they've agreed to these terms in a negotiated plea. So I'm, I kind of try to strike a balance of making sure that you're held accountable as a, just a member of this community who did something wrong and you've owned it. And now I don't think it's too much to have the expectation that grown people are going to follow through on what they agreed to do. Right. I mean, I think sometimes we become way too uh, paternalistic on the bench and treat hum- uh, grownups like children. That's not healthy for anybody. Um, but also understanding that, hey, these are, those dollars are hard to come by. And uh, for some folks especially, and I, I find a lot of people want to do the right thing. It's just when it's one more thing they have to pay. So I'm, I'm usually pretty open to giving them time because I do think there is some uh, dignity and respect that one can find when you do honor your obligations, as hard as it may be sometimes. Um, but it is difficult, and that's why I think you're seeing so much, um, so many efforts in all over the country uh, going away from the, those cash kind of penalties. Uh, the, the bigger problem is that now you've set up small municipalities, villages, and towns. They depend on that, right? Right, and so that becomes kind of bizarre when we're financing. Um, city governments on the backs of 
hopefully people breaking the law and then getting fines that they hopefully pay. Right. It becomes a little bizarre as far as uh, if we're wanting communities that are investing in each other. Steve Boss has been our guest today. Is there anything important to you to mention today that perhaps I wouldn't know uh, to steer the conversation towards about the campaign, about what uh, hope uh, people know about you? No, I just, um, you know, I think that it's important to keep some perspective. You know, we're, we become aware of uh, whatever media outlets want to focus on to, you know, make sure that they get those ears and eyeballs. But I've been really encouraged just the last 18 months working in Jackson County, and we have a great crew of judges uh, and just legal professionals that are really invested in their community. And so uh, I think it's important. My point would be there's a lot of good happening every day. It's boring. It doesn't grab a lot of headlines, but fundamentally it's good, and uh, it's people in this community taking care of each other. And so I wish that got a little more attention. Steve Bost has been our guest today. He'll be on the ballot November the 8th, the first Judicial Circuit judge. Thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. Well, appreciate it.